Psalm 100 has a great deal of significance for me. Back when I first entered the ministry over 40 years ago, I was driving on my way to the hospital to visit a mother that had just given birth to her first child. This was before I had any children of my own. I was thinking and praying about what to say and what to read to this new mother. And my mind went to all of the uncertainties of life. What goes through people's minds is they think about a newborn and wonder concerning all that that child is going to face, all the experience that lie before them, all the uncertainty. And we certainly know of the hardships and difficulties of life, and many times we can develop an, an attitude that's pretty bleak as we think about the future and what this world may be like. So Psalm 100 came to mind, principally because of the last verse. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and this thought in particular, his truth endures to every generation. His truth endures to every generation. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know that God is in control of that future and that God is going to be there in that future and that God's faithfulness will remain throughout the future. So it's been my practice from that first visit until the present day, whenever I go into the hospital and uh, greet a mother that's just given birth, I read Psalm 100, for it bears witness, it bears testimony to that which was true more than 40 years ago is true today and will be true forever as long as the Lord tarries. This morning is also a special day for me for we had four couples who dedicated their children to the Lord. And it just so happens, out of each couple, I dedicated one of the parents when they were an infant. I dedicated Heidi, Emily, Azure, and Pastor Cruz. I've had the blessing firsthand to see that God's truth endures to all generations, to all generations. It's a joy to see the faith passed on from generation to generation. We have a number of families in our church where three and four generations, and yes, even five generations that are worshiping the Lord together here. Think about that. Five generations all gathered to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't our God good? Isn't our God gracious? Shouldn't our God be praised? This morning, the theme is that a mother can have confidence and rejoice in God's faithfulness to all generations. 
That's the theme. That's what we don't want to miss this morning, that God will be faithful to every generation. And so the psalm begins with a call for God's people to confidently rejoice in God. There's a call to celebrate and make a fanfare with regard to the Lord. Psalm 100 verse 1 reads, Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. This verse is often abused and misused in a joking manner when somebody who can't carry a tune will say, well, I'm making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Well, we all know what that means, and, you know, we appreciate the humor, but in reality, this word for a joyful noise, I've used the word fanfare. It's a loud calling of people to worship. In our day and age, I would liken it unto the church bells that ring out, calling people to worship. That's a wonderful tradition. I say in our day and age, it's kind of passing, but those of us who are older can remember a time when virtually every church had a steeple, not only a steeple, but a bell tower, and that bell would be rung when it was time to worship, calling the community to worship, to remind the people that a church service was going on. And that bell would clang. And the whole community would be aware that there were a people that were gathering in the local church to worship and to serve and honor God. What a wonderful, wonderful testimony. This is a verse that is calling all the earth, not just a local community, but it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, to call the peoples throughout the world to worship and to serve and to rejoice in the Lord our God. Secondly, this is a call to put ourselves eagerly at God's disposal. For it says in verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. We're to serve God without reservation. The word for serve is a very broad word encompassing all kinds of service. Everything from slave service to the service of the priests in the ministry of God. And the thought is that such service should be rendered with an eagerness. There should be within our hearts a longing to serve God. Even as the Apostle Peter urged the elders to whom he was writing, he said in 1 Peter, reading at chapter 5, verse 1, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, Exercising oversight, now these words, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Peter writes to the elders and encourages them to serve God with an eagerness, not by compulsion, not because you have to, not because somebody has a gun at your head, not because somebody is guilting you into it, but because you want to. Because you want to. Rather than avoid service to God, 
we should be looking for ways that we can serve the Lord. And so this morning we have parents who have dedicated their children to the Lord. And one of the things they're going to do is encourage their children to grow up and worship and serve, to dedicate themselves, to use their gifts, their talents, to bring honor and glory to God and to further his kingdom. Thirdly, it's a call to worship God sincerely. Worship is to be a conscious commitment and dedication to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. For it says in verse 2, to serve the Lord with gladness, and now these words, come into his presence with singing. Come into his presence with singing. Enter into his presence with joyful, glad hearts. Secondly, the basis for confidence in rejoicing in our worship of God. Verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So there are a few things that we need to remember in verse 3. The first is we remember who God is. It says in verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. He is God. He's the almighty, the all-wise, the all-knowing, the one who is without beginning and end, the creator of all things, the ruler over all, the merciful king, the holy God. He is the one true living God. There is no other. We remember who God is when we worship him. Secondly, we remember that it's God who has made us what we are. He has brought us to the place where we are in our lives. There are 32 different Hebrew words that are translated into English as the word make. This is not the word bara, which means to create. Create. God did create us, but this is not that word. This isn't saying we are worshiping him because he created us. This is a different word. It's a word that expresses the idea that God has built us up. God has made us into the people that we are. There is an old expression of a person being a self-made man or a self-made individual. A self-made man or a self-made individual is a person who hasn't inherited their wealth. It's not that they have their position because it's been handed down to them through the generations. But a self-made man is a person who went out on his own with virtually no help with anyone else but their own effort, their own ingenuity, their own resources, their own hard work, build up a business or build up a position and carried out various responsibilities and they're praised as being self-made individuals that have not gotten to where they are because of the help of others. But this morning, we are to be reminded that there is no such thing as a self-made individual. For wherever we are in life, whatever accomplishments we have, whatever gifts or abilities have been used have been a result of God's grace and God's enablement. God has made us who and what we are. We need to give thanks. We need to rejoice. We need to express to God 
his goodness in our families, that we do have multiple generations of people who are honoring and glorifying God. That, that's, that's God's work. That, that's God's blessing. That's, that's God's grace. That is God's faithfulness to all generations. We remember that our strength comes from him. Our health comes from him. Our sound mind comes from God. Whatever it is that we are able to do this morning is a result of God's mercy and his faithfulness to us. For he not only is the author of life, but he's also the sustainer of life. It is in him that we live and move and have our being. It is by him that we are able even to take a breath this morning. God sustains us. And we're to remember that it's God who has made us. And then we remember our unique relationship to the Lord. For it tells us in verse 3, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Two ideas. First, we belong to God. We belong to God. We are his people. We are his people. He has singled us out. We have a unique and precious relationship to God where he is our father and we are his children. And we're to remember that wonderful privilege that we have and not take it for granted, but again, to rejoice and give thanks as a result. And secondly, being his children means that God watches over and protects us. For it tells us at the end of verse 3 that he is, that we are the sheep of his pasture. We're the sheep of his pasture. This metaphor teaches us that he is the great shepherd. And so he watches over us. He provides for us. He gives us what we need as we graze in his pasture land and as he watches over us with his rod and his staff, which comfort us. And so we have the words of the psalmist in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. We're to reflect on all of the goodness that we have experienced from God. How he's seen us through difficult times. How he's provided for us in ways that are totally unanticipated. And we can give glory to God as we can attest to the answers of prayer that we have received through the years and have the privilege of bearing testimony to what God has done, especially to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, that they understand that the God that they are serving is our God and our parents' gods and our great-grandparents' God. And to put it in biblical terms that Israel would never forget, it is told us time and time again that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember your God. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's this call. Hear, O Israel, Lord, 
Our God is one. The Lord is your God. We need to instill within our children that God is the true and living God. He is our God, and he needs to be your God. So next is a second call to worship God, this time in gratitude. We are to worship God with grateful hearts in verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then in a parallel movement in verse 4, give thanks to him. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to him. We're to be a thankful people, never forgetting what God has done and expressing that gratitude to God. And we are to worship God by speaking well of him. We're to exalt God in verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and now these words, and his courts with praise. We're to single out his goodness and grace. He is a God without comparison. There is no God like our God. And so we should praise him. We should praise him. We should give the glory to him for what he has done. And we're to speak well of God. For it says in verse 4, bless his name, bless his name. To bless God's name is, as I've been saying, to speak well of him. To testify that the Lord is good, that he's merciful, that his truth endures to other generation. It's the opposite of murmuring and complaining. But it's acknowledging, not forgetting, all that God has done. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3 read, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. This psalm is a collective psalm. Let us, not just a single individual, but let us enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. It's a summon for the people of God to worship together. And so it builds to this climax of together. Let us magnify the Lord. To magnify the Lord. The idea is, is to put him under a magnifying glass, to examine the Lord and to see his greatness, to see his goodness and remind each other of those great truths. And then lastly, there's a second set of reasons to have confidence in our God. First, we have confidence because the Lord is good, verse 5. For, here's the reason, for the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Good in the fullest sense of that word. The word good in both English and Hebrew can be used in a number of different senses. That which is morally good, such as he's a good little boy, that which is desirable and pleasing, like a good piece of cake, 
that which is suitable, appropriate, or beneficial, or useful, like it's a good car, gets me where I need to go, it's reliable. In every sense of the word, God is good. God is good for he is morally right and just and holy. He never sins. God is good for he always does that which is appropriate, which is beneficial, which is to our usefulness, our betterment, our enrichment. God is good for he gives us the joys and delights of our hearts. To walk with him is pleasing. It's filled with joy and delight. If God were not good, he still would have to be obeyed. He still would have to be followed, for he would be almighty. He would be all-powerful, but he would be a dictator. And life would be miserable. He might take delight in torturing us. He might play with us. He might misuse us. But God never does. Because God is good. And it's the primary reason to give thanks to God. For what would it be like if God were not good? But he is. But he is. Secondly, we have confidence because the Lord is constantly merciful. Constantly merciful. Verse 5, it says, His steadfast love endures forever. God's mercy and compassion never run out. They're never used up. You cannot exhaust God's mercy. God will always be merciful to his people. Merciful is God's constant disposition towards us. We know, day in, day out, year in, year out, decade in, decade out, from beginning to the end of our lives, that we will experience the mercy, the compassion of God. And then thirdly, which is the rounding thought for which I have chosen this psalm, and that is his faithfulness endures to all generations, verse 5. Faithfulness in this verse is being true to his word. God keeps his promises. We can trust, depend, rely upon, count upon God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. And we can rely upon trust in God. Not only will God be faithful to us, but he will be faithful to our children. And not only will God be faithful to our children, he'll be faithful to our grandchildren. And not only will he be faithful to our grandchildren, he'll be faithful to our great-grandchildren, not our great-great-grandchildren. And we can go on and on until the Lord comes and puts an end to all things. It is really easy to get caught up with all the negativity and all the fear that is around us about what this world is coming to. 
And I have no crystal ball. But I do have the promise of God's word that his faithfulness will endure to every single generation. There will never be a time when there is a people without the word of God. There will never be a time in which God is not watching out for his own. There will never be a time in which God's sovereignty is overthrown. There is never a time in which we are left to our own devices and we can't pray and seek God's intervention and God's help. And there never will be a time in which he no longer has mercy and pity upon us for all that we endure and all that we suffer. God will be faithful to every single generation. Let's reflect on God's faithfulness in the past. Let's recount, let's tell some stories to one another about God's goodness to preceding generations. Sometimes in ways that you don't expect. God was gracious to my father. My father grew up in the Depression era. My father grew up in a large home, large family. They couldn't support him, and they farmed him out to live with another family. And he served as a workman on this other person's farm for a living from the time that he was 10 years old. That can seem hard. That can seem harsh. But he was the first one in his family that came to know the Lord as the Savior because that was a Christian family that took him to church, that told him about Christ. Then my dad led brothers and sisters to the Lord. And my granddad, who had farmed him out, came to live with us in his older years my dad provided for him. And I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home because what God did in my father's life. God is faithful. We are thankful this morning for the mothers in our congregation. You have a difficult and yet wonderful privilege of rearing your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So a final word of encouragement. You can have great confidence in the future because you can have great confidence in God. For he has promised us and he has demonstrated that he is good his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to every generation. And so just as we saw these parents committing their children to the Lord this morning, may we all anew and afresh commit ourselves, first and foremost, and then secondly, 
our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And I'd encourage you, pray. Pray for children that aren't even born yet in your family. As you have an infant, pray that that infant would come to know the Lord as their Savior at a young age. Pray that they'd be given a spouse. Pray that they would be given children. Pray that they, that child will come to know the Lord and seek to serve and the next generation and the next generation. Ask for God's blessing to flow through your home. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are thankful for your great faithfulness and good to us. We can testify this morning that you are good and your grace endures to every generation. So, Lord, we pray your blessing upon the families of our congregation. We pray for parents. We pray for children. We pray for grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren. We're rejoicing, Lord, that there are families, or at least a family here this morning with five generations. Many with four and three. Oh, Lord, we desire, we plead that you would use our families in the days, the years, the decades, perhaps even the centuries, as long as it is that we are on the face of this earth to worship and serve you, may there be a godly heritage. May we with great intentionality seek to pass on the faith to equip our children so that they in turn will equip their children so that, Lord, your name would be glorified, that there would be a light on the hill that this church would always be preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that it would be influencing our community and our world. Lord, give us, give us of your grace and empowerment, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.